Hello and welcome back to the first Hulkcast of a new Aston Villa season and some new Aston Villa horizons on the, well, horizon. I'm James Rushton. I'm joined once again by Danny Raza. How's your summer break been from uh, Villa? Feels great to be back. I've been ignoring Villa as much as possible um, up until much recently, of course. Been trying to read up on, on everything that's been going on. Of course, a lot of us have been kept in the dark, except for a lot of uh, random club statements uh, over the past few weeks. But uh, I think it meant that we could enjoy the World Cup a little bit, Villa fans, you know, without without thinking about thinking about the ins and outs of the club so much. Yeah, well, the World Cup was an excellent distraction from what was going on at Villa. And the situation was bad. It was really bleak. Um, we can't ignore that. We'll get into the take the takeover actually, because that's the the very first thing I think we should address mm-hmm. is the fact that Villa do, for the most part, have new owners right now. They have um the NSWE group, which of course is Nasef Sawiris and Wes Edens, two Egyptian slash American businessmen who operate globally. And uh, these guys are real. The money's there. It's it's something we can see. It's not hidden. It's not something you know. It's it's there, which is fantastic. Yeah, and I from from what I see, it's a very positive deal. You know, we've got we've got two businessmen who are, of course, uh, well, let's say well endowed when it comes to the money. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like their bank accounts, <laughs> their bank accounts are full. They're big, right? You know, Wes Wes Edens is estimated to be something within the region between two point five and three billion dollars. Nasif is estimated to be something between the regions of nine and ten billion dollars. Uh, and obviously, Nasif is somebody who runs, uh, as far as I know loads of malls across the middle uh, middle east so um the bull rings of uh, of of the middle east uh, so to speak and wes uh, wes edens as we know is somebody who has experience at running a sports franchise uh, just like a certain randy Lerner did uh, but i will say that the milwaukee bucks uh, are slightly more and have been more successful than the cleveland browns were under his time so yeah two very two very uh i'd say uh yeah, two very exciting, exciting owners. Oh, come in. I think we'll break it down. Then first, we'll talk about Edens. Wes Edens is an American businessman, um, private investor, venture capitalist, and someone who plays with a lot of money. But he doesn't mess around, mate. And from what I've seen, he's made smart deals. He lost a lot in that recession that happened 10, 12 years ago in two thousand eight, when it seems like everyone in America who owned anything lost everything, yep. and he bounced back from that. So. Um, there's someone there, and this is important, who has experienced what amounts to failure at his level, which mm-hmm. is very, I think is very important in ownership. Randy Lerner didn't have that. No way. I mean, he's um, he inherited the Cleveland Browns, but there's no failure there. They just kind of existed. Wes Edens has experienced that kind of personal failure with that. But he lost a lot of money in that recession. Big hit series here and bounce back from it to so the person he said I man who owns League of Legends franchise for the gamers out there FlyQuest he also owns the Milwaukee Bucks and they're then they're, they're a big deal mate um they're a small team but they're punching above their weight and that sounds really promising to me the Cleveland Browns are massive and they're fouling it's it's completely different the Milwaukee Bucks owned by uh, Eden so are punching above their weight and seem healthy which is just simply you know it's that's something that speaks to me as a Villa fan do you know what? Yeah, Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, I've, I've only I've only recently gotten into NBA, but you know they've got some they've got some good players in their team. They've got, they're, they're a team as well who are known, I think, particularly for their size and athleticism. Um, 
but I think the the thing to to keep in mind is what he's done for the area of of uh, of uh, uh, where, where um, the Milwaukee Bucks are based as well. You know, he, he I, I believe he's been involved in 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 moving them into a new stadium. Uh, the the area, uh, as as far as I've read, uh, anyway, has has improved vastly since since he was to, since he took over there. The other thing is to remember that he works in a system where it does involve other big owners as well, um, and. You know, he, when when he bought the club, it was I think it was back in 2014. It was something for around 550 million dollars. Um, that was off Herb Cole. Uh, so you know, he's he's, he's serious um, and he means business. And, and the Milwaukee Bucks have actually improved since he's taken over. Um, they've been okay, uh, but you know they, they've not been they've not been amazing. But as I say, big players on their side, Yanis uh, Antik. Um, Antetokounmpo. Uh, Antetokounmpo. Let me get it right. Yeah, Antetokounmpo, who was in the NBA All Star team last year as well, uh, playing for them. Yeah, Yanis uh, Antetokounmpo, of course, uh, signed, and this is the Times revealing this on a, a contract worth three hundred and sixty-six grand a week. We're talking that must be around about what Cristiano Ronaldo's on. Yeah, I'll probably be. So that's 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 mega money. It's something like that, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a lot of money. You got to remember, the NBA season's a little bit shorter than the football season. Uh, I'm not so sure how it works like that, um, but yeah, he's uh, he's he's earning a big buck over there. Well, over the four years he's signed to, um, he's earning seventy six point one million, which is thereabouts the worth of Aston Villa Football Club. So <laughs> that no, they're paying a, a good player massive wages. Let's talk a bit more about the books because before Edens and his partner Mark Lazary bought the basketball team, the NBA were threatening to move it to a place that would operate them, um, Seattle or Las Vegas, because they demanded a new stadium be built for the books. This is something that Edens and Lazary had to deliver on and they did to keep the books in Milwaukee. Otherwise they'd have mm. moved and become a completely different team. That's that's a part and parcel of American sports that if the city or the owners aren't going to pay up to regenerate the franchise it's going to get moved to a place that will oh and people will so, be preying on it because you've you got to remember that Seattle hasn't had a basketball franchise in I don't know how long you know so it's it's not like it's 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 not like that struggle to to find a new place for it they will pounce on it you know what I mean yeah and I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure places like uh, New York could have an additional one you know there's always going to be an option for them to rip a, a smaller team out and pull it in a you know, a bigger pond, so to speak. Always, and across American sports, NFL, I mean, you you can watch the documentaries with the Cleveland Browns tore apart, completely tore apart by um, backroom dealings, um, city city interference politics, just tore a really, not a successful team, but one that was getting there, one, one that was loved. So pretty much like an Aston Villa. Imagine just being taught, imagine Aston Villa being moved to Paul or Bath. <laughs> you know, a yeah, nice yeah. south coast place that would support a big team, you know, and attract, you know, move it to Bristol. Well, it's, yeah, it's, to Canterbury. it's worse than that, though, because, like, at least you'd be able to make it there. Like, a lot of these teams would be moved, possibly even out of the state, you know, which makes it very, very difficult for people to travel. Um, so, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you've got to remember America's how, how big. Like, even if Villa were moved to Bristol, that's not a massively unfeasible journey from Birmingham. That's it, yeah. It's horrible, but, like, Imagine the situation where your team is moved across the entirety of America. <laughs> that's you're not you're not you're done you're done. Even the Rams moving to LA that's a massive distance from St Louis to um Los Angeles. It's, it's incredible that they do that, but no, we can't go there. But the books are safe because of Edens. That's really important to say. And their ownership structure is one of common sense. 
But there's also controversy in that, mate, because Edens and his partner Lazari also have an additional partner. However, it's Edens, Edens and Lazari who stumped up the majority of the cash. So there's three owners, but only two rotating this governor role. Yeah. So yeah. every five years, basically, the t- Edens and Lazari switch between the veto so they can overrule any vote, basically. As far as I understand it, whoever is in that role can overrule votes. And that led to a head coaching decision where Edens was outvoted two to one and he still won, which was, you know, obviously controversial. Was this last season, was it? I believe so. There's an article on our site, 7500 to Holt, where Rob Jones um, spoke to Brewhoop, who are the SB Nation Milwaukee Books blog, and they went massively, massively in depth on Edens and the books. Um, so I recommend you read that. But yeah, there was a, a big, big problem when uh, he basically outvoted. He was he was the losing vote and he forced it through. So in a way, that's positive because you do want someone with a driven vision. But if that decision doesn't work out, that system doesn't work. Yeah, and I, I think we, we have to... <sighs> We have to look at it and, and think about where where has American team ownership and Premier League team ownership, like as a, with, with a guy like owning two, uh, where has that worked before? Um, and you struggle to find names. I think it worked. With the, was it was the Glazers at United? Did they did they um did they own an NFL team? They did, didn't they? Right. Uh, I think Kroenka, Stan Kroenka owns uh, owns an American team as well. Yeah, he he moved the Rams from St. Louis to Los Angeles. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. Uh, Shahid Khan um, as well. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like them. No, um, they've done it right. I think they're probably going to get moved though. But do you unfortunately think, do, you, do you think people do you think Villa fans anyway? Um, do you think people are going to be uh, comparing him or? Uh, thinking about him alongside uh, Randy Lerner. Do you think people are going to be thinking of Wes Edens in the same breadth of thinking about Randy Lerner? Is this a danger with Villa fans? Do you think there's something to worry about there? Um, with Randy Lerner, um, I've got a, a great deal of respect for Randy Lerner um, because of some of the things that you know you read about him going through. Um, I'm not going to pity him too much because he's a rich person. <laughs> he's a massively rich person. Um, but he inherited the Cleveland Browns, from his father, Al Lerner. So he didn't necessarily want to run that club, as far as I understand. Mm -hmm. And from their success, you can kind of tell that I think he backed them really big for a season of American football. And they were pushing pushing the envelope and are really trying to make make themselves into a player, constantly appearing in the playoff team. However, they compete in a horrible division. It's AFC North, so you've got, the Baltimore Ravens, who were formerly the Cleveland Browns, massively successful. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, massively successful. Then you've got the Cincinnati Bengals, over thereabouts. So out of those three teams, four teams, there's always someone who's going to finish bottom, and that's going to be the Cleveland Browns. That's history, unless they can push the envelope and move forward. That's that's exactly what Villa, Villa what happened with Villa when Man City came along and started spending money. It pushed that envelope far beyond the means of Aston Villa. But back to Randy Lerner, mm-hmm. I don't think you can compare Randy Lerner and Wes Edens because Wes Edens chased the Milwaukee Bucks, invested in them and got them to a, you know, a level of stability where not only the team feels good, but it looks good as well. It's a fashionable team oh, to support. No, look, you've got Chris Middleton in there, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, right, as well. You've got some, you've got some good players in that side, man. Um, the badge looks fresh. The jerseys look great. Yeah. 
it's a team that you would feel good to support and you can't say that about the Browns. I think Randy Lerner wanted to correct his mistake with the Browns, with Villa, and the situation got too much. Then he went through that high-profile divorce as well, um, tore him apart completely. I think he tried to do the right thing by Villa and it didn't work out because he kept giving the jobs to the wrong yeah, people. He spent a lot of money, man. Uh, he gave money to Martin O'Neill, you know, um, spent a lot of money on assets that weren't worth much. Uh, but, you know, we don't need to go down that road again. Yeah, we, can't, we can't forget that he's give, he gave money to, to Julio, to Lambert, and to Sherwood. Oh, he's so had a, bad, a lot of bad luck. People spent, yeah, people spent a lot on the learner and nothing came, came of it. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, praise a man and turn him into a, beatify him into a saint almost. But no, there's no comparison. I think Lerner ended up in a situation where he owns sports teams where Edens has pursued that. To be, diff- there's a massive difference. To be fair, right? I might come under fire here, but I think I feel like you know the whole Tom Fox situation, bringing in, bringing on those guys who were scouting, scouting players that you compared to and whatnot. Um, I think we just brought that in just a little bit too late, and I think we were already shot down by that point. But Randy Lerner did. Uh, did did give it a go. Um, as far as Wes Edens goes, uh, like Milwaukee Bucks fans aren't incredibly unhappy, are they? But they, they weren't they weren't great last season. I think that's 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 the thing. Uh, so I think they they're quite kind of in a situation where they're like, you know, we're doing okay, but we really should be doing better. Um, they want to go back to the glory days where you know they 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 won the I believe they won the title back in two thousand and one. I might be completely wrong. Yeah, and I might be pulling statistics out of my ass, just like I pull statistics out of my ass when I mentioned Nassif Sawiris is worth uh, $9 billion. I don't know what he's worth because um, I'm, I'm looking around everywhere. And I can't find anything. But uh, James, Milwaukee Bucks, is that the model that they're running right now, is it similar to what we're going to be running at Villa considering we're going to have more than one owner? Three owners, in fact, just like them. Um, I'm not going to say... Massively, because look at what they're spending on Giannis. You know, it's <laughs> that's not going to happen at Villa. You're not going to pay a player 366 grand a week, are you? No, no but way. they do have a system in the NBA, don't they? You know, every every team does more or less what is supposed to make them same amount of money, right? Oh yeah, they're a smaller market team, and I think I don't want to say that Villa or Birmingham are bigger than Milwaukee, but I think it is a smaller market in Wisconsin for a basketball team than it would be for Villa in Birmingham. I think really? Villa relatively bigger. Oh, I mean, Wisconsin's a big state, man. You've got I the think, Green Bay uh, people as well, haven't you? Yeah, but you've got a lot of, compete, you've got a lot of competing sport. You, you know, you've got Wisconsin State University, you've got the Green Bay Packers, hmm. whomever else, you know, to divide your attention up. And I don't necessarily play at the same times, but I don't see that much crossover there. I think if you're going to go for stuff, you're going to go for that college football, Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, I hear you. I, you know hear what I mean, um, but with, with, Villa, with Birmingham, you've got Villa, you know, massive, massive, massive team. That can't be understated. This area should belong to two teams. And one of them, I guess, is going to be Wolverhampton. Yeah, yeah. Because they're, the, they're getting pushed in a good way. The second one, there's a lot of room for Villa here. You know, it's not... A, the West Midlands deserves massive football clubs. And... The whispers are that this deal potentially, uh, we don't know this, right? Uh, but, you know, there was there was talk before it got confirmed, uh, the, the, the investment, that it was with a view to buying the club um, fully by the end of it, which, which could be good. With a 55% stake, 
right? Say so it's something like that, isn't it? It's not. It's not a. It's, it's just about yeah. a majority between the between the two of them. With 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 yeah. with, with those two having the majority, but but Tony Z is still having the overall, um, having the overall control of it. Does it mean that 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 Tony's still going to be in charge of all the decisions, or are we going to see these guys step in and and really um, go hands on here? Because from where I'm standing right now, we don't know an awful lot about them. They haven't spoken to the media just yet by the looks of it. Uh, so maybe it's just an investment for them. Maybe they don't want to get too involved with the club. Um, well, the way the ownership structure works is that you have Sirius, Nasef Sirius. We'll, we'll speak about him a bit uh, in a minute once we finish this. Nasef Sirius is the executive chairman. He's the top. Then you have the co-chairman, which is Edens and, and Tony Sharp. Right. So that situation where Tony owns, I believe, 45% okay. of the club, that makes him the, the biggest single majority right. shareholder. However, Edens and Sirius between them have overall control. So if you compare that, they, those two can vote Shah out. And if Sirius is top, I guess that's that governor okay. role yeah, 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 that we're yeah. speaking about, where he can his vote is the only one that matters, basically. Hmm. So... But um, no, uh, from what I'm reading, we'll go on to Sabiris now, mate, is that he looks like a very trustworthy character, very humble, very much a, dare I say, a learner figure. Someone who's not going to do a lot of uh, a lot of speaking, but someone who's got massively deep pockets. Yeah, 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 true. I mean, he's, 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 his family's worth like <laughs> ridiculous amount of money. You look at what he's worth. No, his family's, and the, with Najib as well. There's a lot of money. So Najib's his brother, and I, I forgot his his father's name. But there's a lot of money going around that family, and um, Najib especially. I think he owns a club in the Swiss league, and he tried to buy an island for refugees. Oh, really? So yeah, there's a lot of kindness in that have. family. I do believe. Um, so Sirius had a tax thing, a a, a big tax issue. Nasef, yeah. With our the owner. yeah Nasef, our one, our Sirius brother. Um, had a tax issue, I believe that was resolved. And once it was resolved, that he did pump money into kind of the Egyptian economy. So sounds very Trumpian there. <laughs> like he kind of resolved the issue, then pump money into that issue to kind of, I don't know, would it be glossing it over, covering it over? Or is it part of the deal? I don't know, but it just seems like money talks. I mean, he's got a lot of investments, hasn't he? I, I think he's got, he's got, so I, I believe he's got two, He's got two companies, hasn't he? He's got Oriscom Construction Industries and he's got OCI, right? Um, so one of them is an engineering and building firm. Uh, one of them, which is basically trading on the Cairo Exchange and the NASDAQ in Dubai. This I'm reading off Forbes, by the way. Um, but he also has holdings in in cement companies as well, like uh, Lafarge Holkim. And uh, interestingly enough, another funny tweet that I saw recently, which is which is very true. Um, Birmingham City, obviously, are sponsored by Adidas. So every time a Birmingham City fan uh, buys a buys a shirt, they're actually uh, in well, they're actually increasing. Um, the net worth of Nassif Sawiris because he has holds in Adidas uh, as well. Um, and also, I think it's just worth mentioning that one of his companies, uh, Villa, obviously are very well known for their fantastic um, pitch. Uh, well, what, what, do you, what do you call them? Groundsman Awards every single year? Well, it's going to oh, get yeah. even better now yeah. because uh, Nassif Sawiris actually owns a nitrogen fertilizer producer. So <laughs> one of the world's largest. So that grass is going to be greener. So Sirius and Edens know each other because they're mates. Really? 
No, they are part of that article in the Times. I suggest you get on there, read it, buy whatever subscription you need to kind of do it okay. for a week. But um, there's a lot of information in there. I think you can read it for free if you sign up. But um, no, seriously, they, they are mates and they are they do have a massive interest in football. Eden's followed has been following football since the World Cup was last in the United States. And it was also kind of pushing Beckham to be involved in that Miami franchise that he's making. Um, Sirius, of course, um, he's on the board at Adidas as well. That's great, that is, to be fair, isn't it? It's a lot of footballing and sporting interests. Um, so let's talk about the Adidas mm. thing, because it's quite funny that, you know, um, that team over there um, whose kits are made by Adidas, <laughs> that template they've got, that blue <laughs> template. Um, when they buy them, I assume that some of this money, you know, in essence, would be going right into Sirius' pockets. Well, yeah, yeah it's funny, <laughs> isn't essence. it? It's is funny. It's not exactly going to be that route, but in, in, in terms of the idea, I'm not quite sure funny. what his stake is in, in Adidas. By the way, um, I'm, I'm... he's on the board, so it's a pretty decent whack, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, it will be. It will be. And interestingly enough, right here's another link. And by the way, we're not we're not doing this to try and hype up the owners. We're not we're not trying to be like, oh, everything's going to be great. We're rich. We we understand. You know, we're, we're we're trying to step back. We're we're trying to we're trying to provide you a profile of these guys. Do you know? Um, can you tell me anyway how Nassif Sawiris is related to Bill Gates? Not not genetically. I mean, do you know where the link is? Um, Bill Gates invests in one of his companies. He does. He has a seven percent share in in OCI. Now, I mean, this this tells you something, doesn't it? Because guys like Bill Gates, you know, the big investors, the big businessmen, they don't invest in businesses which they don't think are going to work, and and they look at everything. You know, you you look at you know you it's, it's basically the Warren Buffett model. They don't just uh, invest in any company. They look at who's in charge and they look at the decisions that they make. Now, that to me is a good endorsement, um, potentially one which uh, which should get us just a little bit excited. Um, it surprises me that Villa only cost thirty nine million dollars, though, according to Bloomberg. I think that might be each. I don't know. I think they might have paid thirty nine each. But I'd be very, I'd be very surprised no, no, if they no. got that because that that would prove how desperate the situation is. Bloomberg, that would really Bloomberg, prove. And I quote: "Right, Sawiris and Eden's group, right? So they have a group together. I mean, this is how they mates. NSWE, right? Will acquire a fifty-five percent stake in the team for about thirty million pounds. Brackets thirty-nine million dollars. People familiar with the matter said that's according to Bloomberg. Oh yeah, no, that's just for the majority stake, though, isn't it? Not." The right, full. right, right. Sure, sure. So we're close to close to about eighty million. Yeah, what I would say is that this is rolling, and eventually Shaw will be faced out. Tony Shaw will be faced out as Weed Edens and Sawiris will acquire more of their uh, of of Aston Villa as uh, time ticks on. It's going to be a progressive can I takeover. A, can, I, can I just have a moment so, to defend Tony? By the way, we'll go. On, we'll speak about Tony in a minute, mate. We'll go fully in on him. Trust me. I've just got. We just got. to Nail off and seal off Sawiris and Edens. Is that all right? Okay. Yeah, let's go for it, man. Or do you want? Do you want to go? No, in? no, no. Come on, come on. Let's let's keep going. We've got time. We got we got a question with from the Claret and View, uh, excellent Villa blog that's kind of tackling every issue as as it pops up. Um, they would like to know the thoughts regarding how likely is that Sawiris and Edens are going to invest heavily in facilities mm-hmm. and staff to reach a quote sustainable model. Um, I think it's, you know, you see the books and I think team that's well run, team that looks good, team that feels good to support, not, necess- not necessarily massively successful, but one that I would feel happy to support. 
that's and it speaks to me as a sustainable team as well. So not only does it look good, feel good, it runs good. I think that is very much Eden's interest in making a team that is self not just self-supporting, but one where it's like Brentford, where you can see the the system and the system works. And God, I hope we become like that. Not that we should step down to, you know, quote Brentford's level, even though they'll probably finish above us this season. That we should mirror that and sign the players that Brentford are signing because the players that Brentford are signing are good players. Fantastic players that no one else is going for. That's the model. So I think it's very likely. I think that we'll see a big investment in not maybe not making Bodymore Heath incredible, maybe not making Villa Park incredible right now. I think we'll see scouting and analytics really pumped up and um, grassroots coaching and those facilities. I think those will be invested heavily in before they crack on Villa Park and Bodymore Heath. What's your okay, thoughts on so, that? Okay, um, so first of all, uh, I've been I need to cor- I, I've been correcting myself on statistics all all, all throughout, right? Um, the Bucks didn't win a championship in two thousand one, but they made it to the playoffs, right, which is big, uh, Eastern Conference playoffs anyway. Um, they want to return back to the glory days, you know. They they had Kareem Abdul Jabbar back in the day, you know. If you don't know who that is, he is a basketball great, one of the greatest of all times. There's tons of documentaries on him if you want to check him out. But anyway, Bucks obviously are a team which had a huge past villa the same right we've we've had a huge past we want to go back to where we were back in the day when edens came in he bought the club for 550 million dollars forbes now in 2018 as of february 2018 um estimated the value of the club to be something of around one billion dollars which means that he has essentially doubled the value of the club since he was there if you want to talk about facilities you ask about facilities well look edens when he, since he's been there, he's 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 uh, overseen and basically encouraged the instatement of a new of a new arena, which basically shows you right there that he is interested in investing in a club and investing in the facilities and growing the club not only on the you know not only on the field but also outside of it. So um, as far as I as far as I can tell, um, I think these guys will be very good at that. Um, so I wouldn't worry on that end. In terms of investing in the club, again, look, uh, I don't know because basketball works very differently to football. You know, when it comes to scouting and whatnot, uh, they have college football. Everybody's watching the same players. They they, they know what's going on, um, and 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 the players who are who are known sort of as the as the best draft picks are sort of known all around. You know, the league as the best draft picks. So um, it, it, it's funny how it works there. I would prefer to see a good scouting system coming in. But my worry is, and I will have this slight worry, just like we had under Tony Zia, just like we had under Randy Lerner, that we may not have the right football guys in charge to oversee the investment in the correct players. That is my only worry. As far as facilities, I'm happy. I think if we're successful, I think if we're doing okay and we get past this financial fair play, we're going to be fine. Uh, It is just that slight worry on signing players because, James, I know you mentioned Brentford and the the players that they're signing, but not everybody is, is, is that good at doing that. You know, it is the very rare clubs who are able to do that. Let's make ourselves like that then. Um, Tony Sharman, let's talk about him. I know you're gagging to say something about him, but first, I think we need to. I need to. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah you, do you want to? Do you want? No, no. Go ahead. Get it out. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gagging <laughs> to say anything. I just. I just want to. I just want to shoot Villa fans with a little bit of realism. But you go ahead. I know how you feel. Um. No, I'm genuinely quite upset that every there. I'm not upset. It's just 
there's a lot of people rushing to defend him. Um, you have to remember that Tony Shaw has come out and attacked, genuinely attacked and encouraged pylons. And this is Keith Wyness as well. I've encouraged pylons of media figures who've dared criticize him and dared say, question his money. And I feel the situation is now where he speaks with a very solemn tone, tone on Twitter and how he's always tried to do the right thing. I get that, but you can't have it both ways. You can't, you know, what he did was genuinely quite bad. Looking back, I think we all joined in um, that he would launch attacks on people and people who dared say, where's the money coming from? And these are people that are linked to finance. They're people that are linked to business, people people that are linked to economics. And more importantly, people that are linked to China okay, <laughs> that so... are saying this stuff. And uh, he'll come out and, and, and not just shout them down, call them idiots, jerks, jerkinalists. And that was do- that's dodgy. It's not dodgy at all. It's just the way it responds to, to stuff like that. A lot of businessmen, a lot of businessmen are like that. You know, he's, he's, he's not going to be the only one that's going to kind of come out and, and say something when he's attacked. It doesn't mean he's a bad businessman. It doesn't mean that he has the, the wrong intentions either. No, I get that. But it's it's like I, as a person, cannot critique the president of the United States for doing one thing and look at my owner of the football club I support and not criticize them for doing the same thing because I've done that. I've uh, You know, he has been almost hypoc- hypocritical of me. You know, it's it's big hypocrisy that I will crit- critique one person that I don't like. You know, I won't get involved in politics or anything, but what criticize one person I don't agree with, and then okay, not but criticize someone that I am forced to like because they own my football club. But you're not you're not forced to like them though. Um, you know, it's I guess you you are in a sense that you want to like you are more inclined to like them. No, I think I think I think people were perfectly fine with it when things were going our way. Uh, when when Tony when our luck went downhill, and by the way, Tony Zia's luck as well went downhill. You know, yeah. people turned on him and started saying and started saying things to him, um, despite the fact he was just doing exactly the same things he was he was doing for the last two years. Literally, from what I see, right as Villa fans, we're frustrated. We're frustrated. We want we we want the right things to happen at our club, right? We want we wanted Tony Zia to succeed. Uh, we wanted we wanted his investments to work. Right. Unfortunately, like through through no fault of his own, his money got locked up in China. And we when you look at the situation, it's because it's because the Chinese government, you know, uh, prevented that from happening. Right. They, they, they prevented they prevented him from from taking money over. Um, and I don't think he's dodgy. I don't think he was ever he's ever been lying. I think he genuinely came to the club with, with the right intentions. Yeah, he messed up bad. Right. And you can criticize his ownership all you want. What I don't like is personal attacks at the guy. There's been way yeah. too much of that. I, I, I am honestly right. Whenever I see that, I just think you are. You need to take a step back and you need to understand the way that things work. The other thing that I was angry about was the fact that people would come at him with personal attacks again uh, every time that he rejected an offer for the club. That, that in my mind, was idiocracy. I've got no problem with criticizing Zia. He needs to keep his mouth shut sometimes. He, he his his mouth is way too big sometimes on Twitter. He, he and he and, and some of the club statements that he brought out were stupid. He should not have brought them out because all they did was encourage attacks. Fair enough, right? But you don't attack a guy personally uh, for for trying to conduct his business in the best way. You guys had a go. You guys, this is this is irony, right? You guys had a go at him for stupid business, and yet when it, when when you get clubs or you get people, sorry, uh, trying to trying to buy the club for a small amount of money who perhaps aren't the right owners of the club who perhaps don't have the uh, perhaps don't have the power that the club needs to take us forward and he's rejecting them you you still want to have a go at him 
He waited for the right offer. And what we've got now is Sawiris and Wes Edens, two very good businessmen. And I think a model that we can expect. And I think, um, I think two businessmen that we can respect. Uh, what we've got now is a good offer on the table. And we waited for it. What it didn't need was two or three months of people bashing Zia every single time he, uh, he, he an offer came in. He tried to sell the club. He sold the club. What are we complaining about? Mm, it's just, I, I, you look back at the situation and regardless of if his money was locked up or not, the situation that we got into was one we should have never, ever gone into. I don't care about the players being forced to pay out of their own pocket for the food in the canteen at Bodymore Heath. I don't care about the fact that we'd have had to sell Grealish and Chester because those are the realities of a, a situation where you overspend at any club and miss the uh, target. Um, what I care about is the fact that we came very disastrously close to not being able to pay our bills. And not just that, not being able to pay the okay. wages of the people who work at the club and the tax bill. That's bad. But we overspent, right? What we what Zia thought that he was putting money into was good investments, did he not? Right, McCormack, oh, yeah. Richards, all of the players that we brought in, you know, he thought he was investing in good assets, right? But how is he to know any better? He's not a football man, right? So when people are making those decisions and signing those players, the responsibility is on them. And yeah, it comes back to bite the owner in the arse. And ultimately, ultimately, uh, it's, it's, it still goes back to Tony Zia. But like the people you should be directing your, 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 your anger at, in my opinion, are the ones who have been overseeing the transfers. And who are they? They're the managers and people, um, you know, who, who have been basically in charge of that stuff, the directors of football or whatnot. So like, if if you hire experts, if you hire people that uh, that that say they know football and they go ahead and sign these players and then basically the assets turn to dust because the players just aren't that good, whose fault is it? It's not the owners, it's the scouts, it's the people who have turned uh, it's the people who have recommended buying them. And it happened to Lerner as well. Exact same thing happened to Lerner. Exact same thing. But only this time what happened was, you know, it 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 it, it was an extreme. Um and it's not like the club ran out of money. It's a financial fair play system. It, it's just not. Um, it's not good for 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 clubs like us. Um, but yeah, I just I I I struggle to believe that. Um, I struggle to believe that Tony Zia didn't do his best to 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 take us up. I struggle to believe he didn't have the right intentions either. So it's just one of those things where I think we got unlucky again. You know, he got he got the wrong people in charge. Um, still is still his fault, I guess. And that's why we ended up in the situation we're at. Like, who do you blame, though, James? This is the thing. Who do you blame for, for all our money going? Okay, so here's who we blame. We have to blame Tony Shaw because if you want to be successful, you cannot simply trust people who are making constant, the constant wrong decisions. He gave There was a lot of trust put into not just um, Keith Warnus, but Steve Round and Steve Bruce. There's a lot of money that is on their hands that has went out of this football club. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to blame him for not saying no. And not because the, the bottom line is the club should never have been in this situation, regardless. You should have held back. You know, right? that, yeah, the money that we wasted would have saved us if the worst happened. And the worst was if we were a Portsmouth or a Stoke or a Birmingham City doing this, the club would probably not exist. And I don't want to put Stoke in the same category as Birmingham City, but sometimes, you know, it's going to happen when a club can't attract investors. And that you know, you have to thank, <laughs> yeah, you have to thank whoever whoever you're gonna pray to, that 
Aston Villa won the European Cup in 1982 and they've been around forever because that if that history didn't exist and Villa Park didn't exist, I don't think Aston Villa would have ex- existed for very much longer. That's gen- the genuine bottom line. Either that or we'd have been sold off for pennies to an owner would, who would have genuinely asset stripped the club and then we would have had major problems. So either way, major problems were coming with Tony Shaw thanks to not being able to say no. Let me go on to Keith Wyness, whose um, strategy was to simply buy as many old, ageing, crumbling English figures. And this includes John Terry. He was fantastic for us for most parts last season. The dude was 38. What successful club is looking at 38 and 36-year-olds to propel the club forward? We're going to sign Robin Van Persie in January, even when these problems were known. If if Tony Shaw isn't the main decision-maker, then Keith Wynas was... And I've no surprise that he got booted out. And I'd love to hear his side of the story, actually. I want to hear it. We probably have heard it through his media contacts without knowing. But I would genuinely like to hear it from his mouth about what has went on. Because he is suing the club, not for unfair dismissal, but for torturous interference, which means he was stopped from doing his job by someone. Stopped from doing his job. I want to hear him out first. I don't want to throw I don't want to throw blame around. I don't want I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to say it's his fault. Right? But from what I've seen this summer anyway, uh, Zah, my opinion, he messed up. He messed up bad. The guy isn't a bad guy, in my opinion. He's not what people... I, I, don't, think he's, I don't think he's shady either, right? Like, I think, I think there's major racial undertones when people, when people you know, call him shady uh, because you wouldn't, say that, uh, uh, you wouldn't say that a businessman from America, if he messed up, was shady, you'd just kind of say he messed up. Um, then let's, let's just speak about that for a moment because you're not going to be... A, people want to see Tony Shaw's finances and they want to see his background. You're not going to be able to see his background because you cannot access the Chinese inf- infrastructure. You cannot get into that. You cannot get into those records. They're not available on Google. There's a fireball blocking them. But that's China, though. You know, you know that's, that's... That's China. So when you, are, when you are calling this bloke shady based on... You can call him an idiot. You can call him stupid. You can call him misguided, but to call him shady, it's, it is it is rooted. It's there rooted. Is, there it's really rooted. Yeah. You're saying that Chinese people are dodgy. That's that's what that's that's what you're saying because nobody ever, at the end of the day, turns around and says it. Uh, turns around and says it to a businessman from America. No one said it about Lerner. No, exactly. No one said it about Lerner. Exactly. What's what's Zia hiding? He's not hiding anything, right? Whenever he's been asked about it, he's mentioned it. He said, "Look, this is what I've got, right? This is my doctorate." Uh, and he said, you know, that like my money is in China. Like, but, but I, I like I, I don't know. I don't know what else you want the guy to say. Um, so th- there's that. Right. Um, and then the other thing is when it came down to it this summer, when the club got into trouble and he needed investment, did he not go out to find investment? Did he not go out and try to make the to try to make things right? No, he, he he did. As far as we know, he did. So I think there's certain things you can accuse him of. I think you can certainly say chi- the Chinese influence, the Chinese government's influence on events happening at Aston Villa were allegedly a bit uncomfortable to to deal with and to contract. But um, to throw a lot at Tony Shah, I mean, there are situations where Chinese Chinese businessmen have been complete conmen. You know, look at AC Milan. The bloke just turned up and bought the club. Oh, AC Man was bad, right? There was no concept yeah. of, of 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 checking. 
you know, so the the bloke turned up with forged statements and bought the. I will say that AC Milan are the biggest, most historic football club in the world. If you're not, if you're looking at Manchester United, AC Milan, and Real Madrid, I honestly put Milan, if not top thereabouts, Baresi, Maldini. Oh, there's just so much going okay, on there. Certainly in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, but you, you look at the red and black, you look at the badge, you look at the history, you look at everything involved. You know, Real Madrid, certainly, I consider them... Atletico equal. Madrid, let's not forget as well. Another... Yeah, Atletico. You can't you can't discount these clubs, but you look at AC Milan, you think, how did a club of that size, one you could compare happily with Manchester United and Real Madrid, get bought by a man who has no money at all? He might as well have been me. <laughs> No, that's no joke. He may as well have been me because he bought the club. Low, um, I don't know how he managed to pay for players, but he certainly spent a lot of money on players. And the only reason Milan are competing in next year's UEFA Europa League is because that club has fallen into the hands of a predatory vulture fund that loaned this bloke the money to buy the club. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Massive gamble. And the dude's probably ruined now. But that's what happens at, the, at this level. So China, there, are, there is examples of Chinese business and being common. That doesn't mean all Chinese businessmen are common. And if you're not giving Tony Shaw the benefit of the doubt that we did give to other owners, then there certainly is that. However, there are plenty. there's plenty of reasons to criticise him as well. you just got to be careful with your wording because yeah, you know, exactly. it does fall onto these tropes. And I don't. No, I don't no like, one's going to sit there and call, call you racist. It's just you're using these easy, simple tropes instead of thinking. You know, there's room to think critical here. I also don't like the use of the c word. Uh, I just, just things like that. I think we just need to. I just think we need to be a little bit more realistic as Villa fans. Yeah, it was bad, right? We we had hard luck. Does again. the c it's word nice. mean Chinese, or does it mean? Does it mean? An, is it a nasty no, word? It's a four letter word. <laughs> okay. It's a four, okay. It's a four okay. letter yeah, word. Right. <laughs> I, okay. I, I like it's just just personally for me those kinds of those kinds of words are reserved for the worst types of people. All right. To me. I was getting there to be honest. I was getting there. Yeah, but I was getting. You were getting there, James. But all the while, he's been trying to sell the club all summer. He's been trying to make things. Yeah. Great. No, I think with hindsight, you can accept that he's tried to he solve the club and he's actually let it go. Which is, you look at the situation at Hull where they are not letting the club go. Exactly. It's, you know. He could have held on. And the only thing I think that was stopping him from holding on, if we sold Grealish, he'd still be there. There would be no, I don't think there would be investment, genuinely. But but he held on for Grealish, didn't he? You know, we've had we've had offers and that kind of thing, right? But he hasn't. Well, we don't know if he's held on. We, we haven't had a bid for Grealish. There's been no bid. Hmm. I've, I've spoken to the the people I know who run the Tottenham Hotspur blog because as far as we know there's been bids and bids and bids there's been no official bid Spurs, chucked in for Grealish so I, tell you, so, I mean I don't want to I don't want to jinx it but I don't think Spurs are signing him you know why I don't think what? I don't think Spurs are signing anyone Poch, <laughs> Poch is making a point of it Pochettino's making a point of it I suppose if, if they do sign anyone it would be a, a young player from the championship so if it is anybody it's Grealish but um, we have to take all Spurs transfer speculation with a pinch of, which a pin, with a pinch of salt at this point Nice. Um, shall we move on to financial fair play? Uh, we can do. <laughs> How much time have you got? I got time. Don't worry. You got time. Don't worry. Financial fair play. Um, so Villa's big issue now is, of course, FFP. Mm. Um, there are rumours that there's a quote-unquote black hole of forty million to twenty-five million to be made up. <laughs> of course, the um the biggest thing that will make up that gap is a sale of Jack Grealish for 25 to 40 million which of course will make the entire thing up however 
Villa are now in a position where they probably don't have to sell Jack Grealish, but they do have to make moves. They do have to sell people. That's clear because that, this wage bill is unsustainable and the people we've got eating the club up, even if they're good players, it's not championship, is it? Okay, I'm looking, for, I'm looking through the free agent list as we, as we talk now, James. So, <laughs> Villa, okay. There are a number of things about FFP that, that rumours we need to squash. Villa can't, well, Sirius and Edens can't sponsor the club for hundreds of millions of pounds because that no club is able to do that. Manchester City, a lot of people look at the links between Etihad and the club and they're not as close as the links that Recon and the club have. No. Recon being Tony Shaw's club. Sure. So that doesn't fly. Villa can't just pump money into the club. They can't be quote-unquote smart. And people who are saying they can be smart and put £20 million into a shirt sponsorship and the club, it's not going to happen because the EFL look at market right. If the going rate for investment in Villa Park naming rights is £5 million, and Villa buy them for twenty million. They're only going to be worth five million against financial fair play. Right, exactly, it's a big chunk. Exactly, exactly. It's still ten percent of that rumored forty million. But I don't think it's as bad as forty million. I think it's closer to thirty million or twenty-five because you've got to take into account that Robert Snodgrass is off the wage books. Joshua Onama is off the wage books. Louis Graben is off the wage books. Axel Twanzibi is off the uh, wage books. And John Terry is no longer taking a wage. And Gabby Bonlahor is no longer taking a wage. Alan Hutton has taken a wage cut. So we've saved a ton of money there. However, they still need to make that money up. It's a good start. And what's the punishments for breaking financial fair play? So if by next March, Aston Villa haven't made headway into cutting these losses, they will face a fine. Uh, remember that QPR took a 40 million hit? 40 million fine. 40 million? 40 million pound fine, mate, from the EFR. Ooh. Or... Uh, that it's it's no small amount, and if you're saying, if you were happily saying, I'll take the fine, it's not coming out of your money. It's not coming out of your board. You <laughs> ask one. Nassif's just chilling. He's just going. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> he's just. But he's not. What would you want him to pay forty million for the club? That's. That's just what you want in an investment, man. That's just what you want. I'm I'm investing in this in this in this club, right? And if it, if 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 they take a forty million pound hit, that's cool. You know, I bought them for half price anyway. No, that's not that's not the way it works. Jeez, man. No, the, what would you want him to take? There's a lot of people, and I've seen it so much, and I'm not going to go into it because it's becoming like a meme now of me getting annoyed at it. But people who are saying, I oh, would just take the fine. It's not coming out of your pocket, so you can say whatever you want. But Villa, Villa's losses will be thereabouts with QPR, so their spend will be, I, I venture to guess their spend will be higher. Yeah. Because of the people we signed, we haven't maybe signed Chris Samba on a hundred grand a oh week. Oh my god! But but we are. We, it'll be close with John Terry, and you've got to think about the other players that we've signed on money. Micah Richards and Ross McCormack are sitting around earning the, earning wages. So you've got to think: Do I take the fine? But that that comes with a massive risk. Because no, say Villa finish first, say Villa finish first, yeah, this season, and they finish with record points. How many clubs? do you think will go to the EFL and say they finished in this position because of breaking financial fair play? About as many who went to who went went to the EFL about Wolverhampton, which was a lot. I think there will be 23 clubs out of the 24 yep. that will go to the EFL and complain. Then you've got to consider the structure where it, the EFL are legally allowed to move you to seventh place, deduct your points. They'll move you out of the promotion and playoff positions if they feel like it. That, that goes to a financial fair play panel. Mm. 
Now, Villa can legally appeal this, but do you want to be in a situa- that situation? Do you want to spend your entire summer thinking Villa's promotion doesn't count if they've done good in the league, but it counts them if they're going to pay for their past mistakes? Do you want to be in that situation? Because I personally do not want to be in that situation. And why would you want to carry on this path which has led us to near destruction? No, it's true. It's true. Um, we're better. We're better off with these owners. I feel like you know, going back to square one as as like I think you know, with a sound with a sound mind right now. Um, however, my 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 problem is we're just going to lose all our assets in the process, which means that we're going to be basically worth nothing. If we sell all our best players, we will have lost all our assets. That's that. That is my worry. You know, we'll be we'll be worth nothing. It's it's horrific to confront, but at the end of the day, this hole is nothing that but that Villa have dug themselves. It is, and it's you know what it'll be it'll kill me to lose Grealish and Chester, but that's a reality for most clubs, and Villa can't avoid that. That you lose your best players if you make mistakes. But you know what that's the it. thing is? The thing is, we don't have replacements. We don't have anything. That's awful. We don't have anything. That's, that's another situation that's awful. Well, I like. What would you. We get, I'm sorry, but if we start next season without any centre backs, we're getting relegated. Like, it's, 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 it's yeah. just, it is just, it is just true. Right? Say what you like. Alan Hunt's not a centre back. Neither is Neil Taylor. Uh, Mitch Clark is great, but he shouldn't be expected to, to, to play the whole, the full season by himself. Same with Isa Solomon. He's good. Perhaps not just strong enough just yet. Um, yeah, we start next season without any centre backs. We're fucked. Simple as. Yeah. Simple as. So I think we've answered Dan Rollinson's question of can we just take the fine? Because I do. What would you want to take a 40 million fine? Why would you want your club to be in a situation where you're getting fined and potentially points deducted? A lot of people are saying, fuck it, two fingers up at them. But are no. we not We're not potentially facing a situation where it's like take the fine or get, or, or get relegated anyway? Are we not facing that? That's the situation. Yeah, that is the situation. Imagine if Villa finished 24th. And they have a forty million fine on top. That's not going to happen. But would you want to contend with that situation? Why would you not want your club to do the right thing, become sustainable, and cut these losses? Why would you not want that? Hmm. Because we'll have no assets. I mean, it, yeah, that well, it's it's one of the well, other, isn't it? Like... It's either you pay for you have to pay for these mistakes. These are must. You don't get away with paying Ross McCormack that much so money you, and not what paying. What do you do then? Well, that, then you have to confront the other situation. And this is a question brought to us by Tom Jones, who is at not a Welsh singer. He's not the actual Tom Jones. Um, unless we get a huge fee for Jack, how do we pass FFP? Selling Chester, Codger Hogan would make a imp- little impact because it's based on profit rather than just a fee. Uh, does this mean we have to Oh, sell- my Lord, that's awful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's against book value, which is a, a completely different accounting value rather than straight fee. So if you get 20 million for Hogan, you don't nece- that's not necessarily 20 million against FFP. That's ridiculous. But that's, that's actually ridiculous. So if you sold Ross McCormack, depending on how much, it could be a bad deal for FFP because you'll be posting a loss. If you sold him for 1 million and how much we bought him for 15? That is a mess. That, that is a mess. But th- that, that, that isn't fair, man. Like, that's just is, not... It is fair, though, isn't it? Because why are you buying these players and selling them for one million? Why are you buying them for 50 million and get, getting into this situation? Because you can't predict, you know, players turning around and just deciding not to play. Like, Richards and, 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 Ross, and Ross McCormack, like, this is why it isn't fair, right? You as a club sign these players... They turn around and go right. No, we're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna try our best. We're not gonna play, and their value drops. You like that's not. 
like that's not your fault like when you signed them they were they were of that value i don't know it's 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 i th- i think to me that's awful like and it and it puts and it puts smaller clubs at a huge risk let's say for example a club with with ba- with you know not that much money right goes out and makes their record signing they sign a new star player right because they think that, that is the that is the best thing for them but i think you know this is the way that um this 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 is the kind of player that we need to be able to compete at this level. Otherwise, you know, uh, we're not going to be able to score any goals. That player then just decides that they're that they're not going to put any effort in, and essentially devalues himself. Or let's let's even say that they break their leg and they can't play football again. What are you going to do then? No, I think I think um, Villa will be. Uh, I think there's room for appeal in these type of situations, but it's also in the future. If that's me, that's Villa. It's going to put me off making stupid signings. And I'm not saying that Ross McCormack was a stupid signing. I'm saying that buying Ross McCormack, Jonathan Codger and Scott Hogan for around 15 million each is stupid. Yeah, no, signing all three of them was stupid. Exactly. But like the, the, the problem is the problem is the, the, the face of football has changed now, right? You can't be like you, you, you can't be shackling clubs um, like Villa from from signing players whatsoever when when huge clubs are basically allowed to buy players for like 200 million pounds and inflate the whole transfer market like what are you supposed to do well it comes to something when villa villa spent a fair bit last summer as well didn't they with Whelan and al mohammadi coming in and a few loan players coming of course john terry imagine if there was no ffp and they continued to spend money they didn't have in that vein we'd be looking at a different situation today what if they mm, yes, another... we, keep on, we keep on spending, wouldn't we? There is a reason financial fair play exists and it isn't necessary to restrict clubs. It's to make sure they spend healthily. Villa didn't... You can't say Villa's spend was anything near healthy because, again, you go back to the striker situation. You bought three of the same type of striker, not type of striker, three in the same position. For 45 million, you can only play one of them. If Villa were smart, they would have probably stuck and made sure Ross McCormack worked and sold him at the first possible opportunity. They didn't do nah. that. They sacked no, him they off to Australia, and that's partially that is that is that's majorly Bruce's fault. That is. Ross Why would you not rehabilitate him? I blame I blame Bruce fully for um for 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 McCormack. But then why, if you had McCormack and Codger on the books, would you buy Scott Hogan? <laughs> and then what would you buy Scott Hogan and not play him? No, it's understandable. I I I get that. No, it, it's frustrating. So we do have a lot of blame regarding this, and a lot of it. I'm thinking does fall on Steve Bruce. He's not invincible in this. He's made no attempt at all to rehabilitate Ross McCormack. I've been a lot no more attempt. silent about Bruce over the summer, but I think you know, doing some thinking. Um, I, I, I managerially, you know, on the pitch or whatever, I ain't got that. I ain't got much of a problem with Bruce. But thinking about it, you know, when you when you when you look at financial fair play and you look at the situation, um, you know, when it comes to money. Uh, I'm now starting to think of Steve Bruce uh, along the same lines as I thought of Martin O'Neill. It's irresponsible. It's selfish, uh, the way that they've handled everything. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's ultimately the fans who suffer now. Ultimately, the fans who suffer. No, you, like, you're completely right. And it's Steve Bruce didn't need to make the decisions. This frugality that he's approaching this window with should have been it from day one, but it wasn't because we signed Hurahan, Lansbury, Bjarnas and Hogan in a single and Bree in a single window. These are, we didn't play half of them. Lansbury got benched the entirety of last season. Bjarnas didn't appear until it was too late. The, the mm-hmm. man management of his own signings, it's been terrible. 
And the way he's treated Galini and McCormack, it's just pissing money away. And it, it, it hey, just frustrates me. Galini was worth so much more than we sold him for. Uh, you know what? And he's going to be defined by the two mistakes he made in the first two appearances he made for the club. He got better and we sacked him off and we brought Sam Johnson in and we developed him for West Brom. I think you can blame fans partly for that as well, though. I don't we, know. We, people get on the back straight away of players like that. People got on the back of Sam Johnson, though. We can't forget that. They got That's Sam true. Johnson got worse than Galena. In fact, Sam Johnson got so much that we wanted Galini back. If I remember, yeah, I do correctly. remember. I do, I do remember that actually. To be fair, I do so, remember that. What of what we can we can wrap up the Wyness regime now. Steve Bruce goes on and he fights another day. We'll see. Um, there's rumors about Thierry Henry. <laughs> I don't know. But um, we'll, we'll on, the, on, the Henry stuff is rubbish. Uh, that's that is absolutely. We rubbish. said that about the Di Matteo stuff, didn't we? I don't and think it we happened. Did. We did. We we, not me and you, but I think there was a, a lot of initial dismissal before eventually the betting the odds dropped, and there's a more of an acceptance about it. But I don't know. It's 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 all coming too quickly for me. Okay, it's well, just, I'll tell you something. If it is Henry, if he if he does come in, um, cool. You know, um. Why not? It's like why, why not? I mean, he's got no experience at this level. But who, did, who would, who does that? You'd want. Here's the thing, right? I've said this multiple times, and I'll keep on saying it. Roberto Martinez is overrated. So Belgium going to the semi-finals are going to put that all on Henri. Boom. <laughs> well, um, we go to this situation, and I do fail for Dwight York and Sol Campbell if uh, Thierry Henry's <laughs> been linked to the Villa job because. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? After all, that's yes. genuine. There's a problem there if Thierry Henry is getting linked to the Villa job and they're not getting linked to any jobs. Mate, <laughs> they're not getting any job ever, man. No, that's, Sol- that's, that's poor. I don't. I think. I think Dwight York should do. He's got experience as an assistant manager, I believe, at Sunderland. Yeah, he, uh, and he did. Uh, he was the assistant manager for uh, Trinidad and Tobago when they went on their little World Cup run. So no, yep. you look at the in- international experience cannot be translated to club management are two different beasts Thierry Henry is a great strike striker coach for Romelu Lukaku it doesn't mean anything um, but if we if we if we're going to link um, Thierry Henry to the Villa job we should be happy to link Sol Campbell and Dwight York to it because what I'm saying is, is if, if Henry comes in don't get tired of Villa passing the ball around that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's like that's, that's, that, that's what we're going to get straight away straight away people are going to be like what is this tiki taka why can't we just you know, play more direct. Why can't we boot the ball into the box? That's what's going to happen. Because so, Henri's uh, a big supporter of Pep Guardiola and that's the kind of football that he enjoys playing. Yeah, and Mikel Arteta as well. Um, he's uh, someone who's grew up in a Guardiola system, but he's not been linked to this job. He was linked to the Arsenal job, wasn't he? He was very apparently close to getting it. But um, mm-hmm. you could, these situations don't always apply to the same people. You know, Thierry Henri didn't have that same coaching setup that Arteta had where he came through. He really developed at Manchester Manchester City under Guardiola, whereas Henri has just been the Belgium head coach, um, assistant coach, which is a completely different beast to, altogether. So um, if you're going to give this job to Henri, you might as well give it to Sol Campbell or uh, Dwight York because they've got the same... They may as well have the same uh, coaching resume. Sol Campbell, you know, a few years ago, I'd have been, I'd said yes, but like what the last thing that we need now is is another guy who gets funny every single time he gets criticised. No, no, that's true. That's true. But all I'm saying is um, that Belgium experience counts for nothing. So you might as well employ anyone. Genuinely. I hear that. It, it, I hear that. You can't just look at Thierry and go, he's a world-class player because that doesn't count for anything at all. You know, 
But then you look at people like Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard who've walked into jobs based on very little experience. And you may as well give it to um, York, Omri, Campbell, anyone. I watched Rangers got... under Gerrard. I watched Rangers under Gerrard and they looked very good. You know, they, 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 they were they, playing they, they, some farmers. They, they, they were. They were, in, in all fairness. But, you know, you, I, I also looked at that team lineup and I thought, yo, the star power that guy's managed to bring in, that team is ridiculous. You know, they've got Scott Arfield. You know, they've still got uh, they've still got the Morellis guy up front. You know, they've got they've got some decent players in and around that team. He managed to sign flipping John Flanagan for, you know, like and then then Lampard at Derby, me personally, I don't think it's gonna work out. Purely because I think he's gonna struggle a lot more in the championship. Um he'll be gone by Christmas. Um so you're keeping Steve Bruce in for now? Uh <laughs> Okay, so uh, tell, tell you what, if you offered the choice, if you offered the choice between, if you offered the choice between Thierry Henry and Steve Bruce, who's your pick? Hmm. I don't think Henry would be able to handle what the constraints of what Villa would. Steve would Bruce can him. barely handle the constraints, so I don't think him as mine. Yeah, well, Steve Bruce is living with it though, isn't he? Yeah. You know, all all said and done, right? Okay. Ignoring transfers, football on the pitch, all set, all said and done, we finished third last season. Henri, I think he'd get incredibly frustrated without you know with, with financial fair play. I don't know if he'd know how to ha- know how to handle it. He hasn't been in this kind of situation before. Um, Henri as a coach, okay, fine, I wouldn't mind it, right? Purely because you know, the only thing with Steve Bruce is. Uh, he's he's he knows the championship fair enough, but I'd say that because he has some blame within this regime, um, maybe freshening the whole thing up wouldn't be the worst idea. But that all depends now because like he's been working with the young players that we have in the team. I don't know if and he gets the he gets the best out of Jack Grealish. There's no there's no argument there that he gets the best out of Jack Grealish. We've not seen this. Yeah, yeah, but James, what about the what about the other young players though? If we bring in a new guy, he's going to be working with these youth players. He's going to be like, "What? What the hell are these guys?" He, he, don't, he, don't, he won't know what they've got, right? Yeah, like that's that's my only worry. Unless, what about one of the youth coaches, man? What about bringing one of the? Uh, what about bringing the under twenty ones manager? <laughs> Kevin isn't that Kevin McDonald still, mate? Kevin Mack, man. <laughs> like, if it was a joint, if it was a joint manager, uh, if it was a joint role between, like, if you had Henri as head coach and you kind of had. Kevin McDonald is, is the manager. Could that work, maybe? I don't know. I don't want to even contemplate that, mate. I really mm. don't. Our, most, but, uh, our no. most successful manager of the last few years has still been Gary McAllister. So. Oh, God. No, that's a, that's a, a sad indictment, really, isn't it? But um, should we finish off on talking about these new kits? Oh, they're beautiful, man. Luke. Which one's uh, what's your favourite? I, I like the first team kit. That's my favorite. Uh, sorry, the away, the home kit. The home kit is my favorite. Absolutely. Um, I like the away kit. I do like it. Um, but uh, I've I, white's never looked good on me because it's because it's not slimming. Um, and the goalkeeper kit is that's my least favorite. I'm not going to say anything bad about it, but I liked the the straight up green that we had with James with Sam Johnson last season. But the home kit is absolutely beautiful. The away kit is as well. It will look good on people. Uh, and I think it blew every single kit in the championship out of the water. And I think it just goes to show what you can do if you let a local business take care of it as their own project rather than sending it away to big companies uh, who I'm not going to name 
and letting them make it or letting them design it alongside hundreds, thousands of others of other kits around the world. Um, and you know, essentially, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Um, essentially saturating the quality just like spurs who have essentially got france's home kit and barcelona's training kit so yeah that's about yeah. as crap isn't it but no massive props to uh, luke 1977 luke roper and uh, aston villa for taking a chance and it's, it's worked out marvelously and i hope it's something that continues for years because if you know maybe you can get the backing of a, a kit supplier like Adi, like get them behind this you know, if, if that can happen, get big money behind this and get this bloke rewarded. Adidas Luke for what he's done. Yeah, exactly. If if they're willing to do so, why not? But uh, no, seriously, massive, massive uh, good feelings about those kits. They've met before the financial situation. I was feeling good about them because it was good just to get that sliver of good news. I'm, ha- I'm cr- hanging onto any bit of good news, like uh, <laughs> I'm clawing onto it, mate. Um, so I think we'll finish there. Um, Steve Bruce meets the new owners on Tuesday, so we'll transfer talk is kind of dead. Until then, so we're not going to discuss the Greenwich and Chester rumors. It's pointless um, because everything's on hold until Bruce speaks to the new owners. By the time we uh, we uh, catch up next Sunday, I guess we'll be in a different situation. Bruce would have met his uh, blokes, would have played uh, two further friendlies, and we'll be gearing up for the start of the season. So I think we'll call it there, mate. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, listen, I I I didn't get to watch them all. I managed to catch a few friendlies. Um last week but i've been i've been at work so it's been difficult uh james you wanted to wrap up uh how villa have done this week in terms of in terms of the friendlies and and who i'd say or who you'd say has been the most impressive um are there any young players that you're looking at there that you think can be uh, first team quality jake door hayes instantly um Mitchell Clark is good at the back. I really appreciate that, but I don't think Bruce is going to play him. Uh, Asa Suleiman and Jacob Badeau, they're, they're settling in. Again, don't think they're going to be played this season. Uh, Jake mm-hmm. Dorhays is someone I'd look to come on. One touch passing. He doesn't look to put a pass wrong, mate. What about Corey Blackett-Taylor, man? Is it is he in the same way? Or... He, he's good, but I don't think he's nailed down a position. Again, with Andre Green, we're playing these two at, at wing-back. So I don't mm-hmm. think... I think yeah. Bruce is still testing yeah. them out. And that they succeed. Richie Delat succeeds amazingly at wing back. Um, he's been incredible so far. But no, I was saying Richie Delat. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I I always wanted to see him play at centre back purely because there's a shortage. But you know, he's been ridiculous at wing back. I didn't know, I didn't know he had the ability to run past players. He, I would venture to say, he's the fastest bloke in the Villa team. No joke. Um, he is. He's got some wheels on him. But no, he's done really well. And with the youth players, I think we've seen Gary Garner emerge again, even though he's not a youth uh, player. And I think he'll have some part to play if we, if he's not moved on. But uh, no, seriously, I'm re- I'm feeling really positive about this Villa team as it stands. It looks like we're going to play a back three and we don't necessarily have the personnel to play that traditionally. But it looks like they're all kind of settling in and developing quite well. I mean, Hutton, I, I, in a back three, you're not a traditional centre-back. Mm-hmm. So it, su- it does suit him a bit more. It's like he's just got to rein it in. And I think he'll work well with Richie Zalat as long Mate, as he reigns in. It's that positioning though, isn't it? Balls coming to the box. You don't trust Hutton with balls coming to the box. That's a problem. Hutton is very good at coming at players. He's very good at moving a little bit further forward. But when the ball comes into the box, Hutton is awful at positioning. Don't get me wrong. Great at wing back last sorry, great at fullback yeah. last season. But that that is that is my problem with him. Neil Taylor, also at centre back, not good in the air. 
this is where we're going to struggle next season, mate. Like this is, I don't, don't get me wrong. I like the front three because it means that we're, that, sorry, the back three, because it means that the intent is on attacking because we're going to have to score a heck of a lot of goals. But at the end of the day, when, when, when teams are whipping it in, no, man, yeah. that scares me. That worries me. I'm you'll worried to, about that. You'll have to trust James Chester to kind of marshal the back in that center 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 back position mm. and uh, you'll have to trust him to step up and be that john terry figure who's always instructing he's uh he's back free look and he and will I, I trust him to work with taylor but i don't know will will hutton necessarily be that rocking is because i trust taylor to listen to anything chester says i think we need to venture perhaps lower down the leagues and i i, I don't i'm not usually a big fan of this but i think we need to perhaps venture a little bit lower down the leagues and maybe pick up um Maybe pick up a, a a League One or League Two centre back who you know uh, is known for 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 being a leader or known for being good in the air purely because I think we need the option there. I mean, we just need someone who's going to head the ball basically because exactly. <laughs> you've got. I trust in a way I do trust Hutton um, to play centre back. He's not a centre back, but I do trust him to play effective, semi effectively in that position if marshaled correctly by Chester. But I'd also feel a lot better if we had a normal traditional centre-back to play alongside him. That being said, Hutton is far more mobile than I think anyone would potentially get in. And that's a, that's a big plus. No, I me. agree. I agree. Maybe maybe there's, maybe there's centre-backs in the free agent market that we could look at. I think we, we, we made a big mistake in not signing Robert Huth. I think he's he's ending up back in um, back at Stoke now, isn't he? Uh, by the looks of it. Um, yeah. You know, he would have been, he would have been perfect for us. I mean, dare, oh, no, nah, we can't. I mean, dare I say it, is Sebastian Pasong? Isn't isn't he a free agent? Maybe the likes of James Collins, or are we going too far back now? You know, Jason Shackles is available. I'm just thinking of guys that can step in. That's all. Mille, Mille Yedinakwil, of course, I think he's definitely going to be a centre-back. Definitely. Which is a shame. It's not his position. And I think he's been awful whenever he's played there. Yeah, he, well, he's going to have to develop this season, isn't he? Because uh, there's no way he's not playing centre-back. Mm. Imagine that being, to- being told as a 35-year-old player, you have to reinvent your position. Well, well I think it's natural. I think it's natural that he will eventually become a centre back because he has the qualities. He has that aerial quality. He's just got to that positioning. It needs work um, because he can't just stand in the way as a centre back. He, he can do that to great effect in defensive midfield and block off passing lines. But as a centre back, he needs to be active and reactive to situations. So, uh, well, maybe maybe he'll have a good preseason, and maybe maybe that that is what we need. I mean, has, has he played there in preseason? Has he have you seen him? Um, no, we haven't seen Mila Yedinak at the moment. Um, of course, he's coming back to training this week. I believe he may be deployed against um, West Ham in midweek. Okay. Okay. Um, or if not, against Dresden at the end of our uh, pre-season warm-up. I don't, I don't really expect to see him in a Villa shirt until the season starts. Same with Bjarnason and Al Mohameda, who, of course, uh, played in the World Cup for Egypt and Iceland. But yeah, no, Villa have done really well in their preseason so far. They've tried to play it off the floor. They've been a bit more progressive. They've tried new things, and that's exactly what this time is for. Not necessarily winning games. And they've been winning them in big style. We've put four goals past a few teams. We're playing very, very well in preseason. Right? And when we got on our good run last season, when we were on our best run, by the way, it was without Jack Grealish. So is there, you know, ignoring everything off field? Ignoring everything off field, right? Ignoring financial fair play, is there just that slightest chance that the team is actually progressing? That the team is getting better, like that the young players that we've been bringing in are now actually reaching their potential. Is there a chance that we could be better this season? 
Yeah, you've got to remember, this is Albert Adoma's first pre-season with Villa because he got injured in the first game of the last one. This is Jonathan Codger's first pre-season with Villa. And it's also going to be Jack Grealish's only one, touch wood, without an injury. So this is this could be massive for Villa if these three players... Because Adoma's been trialled as a striker as well. And it is oh, look. looking to be something that's not bad. You know, well, he's, he's playing the hot... Yeah, and it, it did work against Burton in a in a charity match. We'll we'll see what, what happens with that. But these ideas are usually tested again when the full season comes like Samba at striker, the stuff is tested in preseason and it is used in the full season. And that Samba thing did work eventually because he got put up as striker against uh, Sheffield Wednesday and he did score two goals and one of them was ruled offside and we would have been back in the match. So that did work, you know, somehow. But uh, these ideas are tested. So we saw Yedanak at centre-back last pre-season. That was deployed. Um, we've seen Hutton at centre-back and Adoma almost as a central striker. I expect those to be deployed. And they might very well work. You know, you can't say that Adoma wouldn't work there because most of his qualities are cutting in and striking the ball. And I don't see why he wouldn't succeed as a striker at all. He's, he's scored so many goals last season just purely from instinct. Well, he didn't play well when he was playing as a striker last season. He barely played as a striker. Yeah, most of his games were on the uh, left wing, weren't they? Yeah, I suppose so. But he did get games there. Do you know when? Yeah. You know when? You know when Bruce was flirting with the idea of just not playing a striker. That 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 day that I was irate, man. I was absolutely irate. That was Onoma who was played it, as a striker, not a Doma. It was it was Onoma, but it was around about that time when 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 he was testing out on uh, a Doma as a striker. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I mean, he was flirting with the idea of, hmm, what if I don't play a striker? What if I don't play Hogan? What if I play with one of these guys up there instead? Like he no, was, he was just throwing up, you know, like when you just throw stuff at the wall and just hope that it sticks. That's what I'm saying. No, right. yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, wrapping it up, Phil have done well in preseason. Um, mm-hmm. Should we, should we call it there, mate? And an hour and fifteen minutes odd. Yeah, I mean, this is plenty of material for you guys to work with. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah that's been uh me james russian you can find me at jamie russian on twitter danny raza of course dh raza on twitter if you've got any feedback feel free to hit us up um you can find us at 7500 to halt we'll be covering everything villa and uh, we'll be back again soon with some uh a season preview i guess uh we're out of the dodgy stuff now so we can uh talk about football again feels good doesn't it it absolutely does and we may well be uh maybe i'll be with you at the same time next week man that's let's just hope for Let's hope for it. Let's get, uh, I think we're back now, aren't we, James? We're back. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, I guess we're back. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there are are things to talk about now. So we're back and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye, folks.